Welcome to the Audacity Church Podcast. We pray that you are blessed by what you hear today. We love to hear stories of what God is doing in people's lives. Take some time to share your story of how God is working in your life and email us at amen at loveservego.com. Now prepare your heart to hear from God today. Turn your Bibles to uh, 2 Thessalonians and we'll get there in just a minute. When we uh, talked about at the beginning, or towards the end of last year, the beginning of this year, about what we wanted to do for a series um, in the month of uh, October, we kind of, you can tell, we hang around us long enough that we do series about once a month. Sometimes they last longer, and sometimes they're a little bit shorter, but typically that's what they are. And we were talking about doing a series, or speaking about the Holy Spirit, who He is and what He does. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've tackled who the Holy Spirit is. What the Bible says about him, what, how he's worked throughout history. We've talked about he's, he didn't show up in the New Testament, that God has used the Holy Spirit um, all through the Old Testament. And then we talked about what the Holy Spirit does. And we really looked more at how he wants to, to work through our lives and live through our lives. And we were reminded that um, what the Holy, who the Holy Spirit is and then what he does is he reminds, one of the things he does is he reminds of, of who we are in Christ. And it's a, it's a reminder of what he wants to do and, and how he wants to move in our lives. Um, and if someone can help me out, I, I, my voice, I know you have to listen to it, but I don't like to, so I don't know what this is. If we can get rid of that, that would be fantastic. The word for counselor or comforter, or the, when Jesus uses the word, it can mean this. It can mean counselor, comforter, helper, advocate. There's a, a list, but I wanted to define it for you. This is what it says, and this is according to the um, online Bible dictionary. The thing actually exists. You can look it up later. It says this, the Holy Spirit, when referring to the helper, is one who pleads another's cause before a judge. The second thing is, it calls it an intercessor. That's who he is. He stands in the place for you and I. He's intercessing, he's interceding on behalf of you and I. It means he is appealing to God on our behalf. And the Holy Spirit is who is destined to take the place of Christ on this earth because as we talked about last week, Jesus uh, geographically could not be any, everywhere at all times. And so he says it's better for him to go away. So today, uh, my, what I want to cover is how the Holy Spirit works. And what I mean by works is I mean that we've talked about this, but you and I have to be open. We can quench the Holy Spirit. We can um, lie to the Holy Spirit. We looked at that out of the books of Acts. We have the ability to either allow the Holy Spirit to work through our lives as a conduit. Think about a conduit, okay? You plugged into the source. The source is the Heavenly Father. Because of Jesus, you and I have access to him. We're plugged in. And we can either be a flowing conduit or we can be broke. And it's really up to us. And I, and I see that in my own life. And you guys know I communicate transparently. I'm not going to apologize for that. But this is what I want you to see, what the, how the Holy Spirit works, what he wants to do in your life, and he, what he wants to do in my life. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 13, and I'm going to skip a few verses down to 16 and 17. 
but we ought always to give thanks to God for you. Brothers beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved. We looked at the first fruits, that was what, last week? Through sanctification. Everybody say sanctification. By the Spirit and belief in truth. So the Holy Spirit wants to work sanctification in our lives. And we'll get to that in just a second. But he does that by belief in the truth. So by the word of God. Verse 16. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your heart and establish them in every good work and word. My flesh nature has no desire to do good works. It doesn't. Now, and, and even if I do, and I can see this whenever sometimes I do stuff and the guys don't judge me, but I can, I'm like, ah, you know what? I hope so-and-so saw that I did that because I'm a GGTK. Good guy to know. It was pretty nice of me. You know, and, and even whenever I do something that would be considered a good work and I don't do it submitted to the Holy Spirit, it becomes almost an idol in my life. And that's what I do. I'm like, ah, you know. I did that so for, I did that for gain. A lot of Christians, this is it's why we give. We give with an expectancy of a return on the investment, and then when God doesn't come through the way that we think He should, we're like, ah, psh, you know what? I'm just going to quit giving. You guys probably don't like me. Romans six says this, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to what? Is it back there? Sanctification. So there's fruit in our lives that lead to sanctification. And it's in eternal life. And then Paul reminds us in verse 23 that the wages or the cost or the price of sin is death. But the gift, the free gift from God is eternal life. Paul's pointing out that the Holy Spirit works in the believer's life to sanctify us. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, I, I beg you, I appeal to you, I'm everything that I can. And yet he just says this, to offer your bodies, your lives as a living sacrifice. And he says, this is our spiritual worship. For the Christian, salvation and sanctification go hand in hand. You know, we, we talked about bad analogies, so I'm trying not to use one. Let me try. Salvation and sanctification are basically two different heads of the two different sides of the same coin. When you give your life to Christ, there is going to be a movement towards Jesus, towards becoming more like him. And this momentum or this movement or this shift is called sanctification. The sanctification in your life and in my life is really the pursuit of holiness. God is more concerned about making me holy than he is about making me happy. And I'm not okay with that. But it's truth. God's more concerned with your holiness than he is your happiness. Now, he's a good father. He's a loving father. He's the greatest father ever. He could actually carry the coffee cup and it would be real. And yet... He is more concerned about me as a Christian, as someone who surrendered my life to Christ, to becoming more like Jesus than he is about me being happy. Now, that doesn't mean that he doesn't want good things for you. 
That doesn't mean that he doesn't, isn't going to allow great things to happen in your life. That doesn't mean that he's not going to be faithful in the way we sang it just a few minutes ago. He has great things for us. But his end game is sanctification. The end game is you and I, through the Holy Spirit, becoming more like Jesus. It's a step towards, the the word sanctification means to be worked towards purity. It's purification. It's holiness. The Hebrew word is kadosh. It means to be completely separate from sin. Sin is here. It's all the way over there. Perfection. What I, when, I, when I think through this, I want you to know that God is more concerned with the process of your sanctification, of your pursuit of purity, than he is about perfection. It's another danger in those sanctification walk, because some people walk through what um, John of the Cross, he was a, a priest or whatever, and this is about the 1500s, but he talked about dark nights of the soul. And this is what happens with Christians, is because we think that through the sanctification process, sometimes... Uh, God doesn't speak to you the way that he did in a different season. So you blame yourself or you think it's you and, and it's really not. It's just, it's a way that God wants to grow in your life. Some of the greatest growth and spiritual formation that happened in my own life is when I thought God was being the most silent. And there was oftentimes that I really thought that it was... Um, I thought I was going through like a season, us Christians, we use stupid words, but this is one. I was going through a season of backsliding. And the truth is, whenever I look back now on that season of my life, I can see that my, my desire for the presence of God, my desire to allow Jesus to live through me, was growing. And I wasn't satisfied with what I had had in my spiritual walk before. That, my friends, is called sanctification. As we walk through and become more like Jesus. And this is hard. It's hard because, remember we talked about this last week, we are at odds with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And he doesn't want you to become more like Jesus. Your flesh man doesn't because he's selfish or your flesh woe man is just as selfish. And sanctification is the process of us becoming more like Jesus. And it only happens when we are fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Sanctification can only happen when we allow the God to work in us and through us. So what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? It's what Sarah read for us just a few moments ago. But I want to only I want to just highlight a couple of things that Jesus says there. Jesus says, he will guide you into all truth. It's part of what the Holy Spirit does. That's how sanctification works in your life because you're guided in through to all truth. And then, much like Jesus, the Holy Spirit says that he is only going to speak what he hears spoken. If you want to know if someone is speaking on behalf of God or for God, or if someone is speaking into your life as a voice of God, because I think that's a part of biblical community, the Holy Spirit is never going to say anything that you cannot validate through Scripture. He's only going to speak truth. He's only going to speak what he hears. And then verse 14, Jesus is speaking. He says, the Holy Spirit will glorify me. 
And what I mean by that, and what I believe Jesus means, I mean just, what I think Jesus means by that, is he is saying that the Holy Spirit isn't around to draw attention to himself. The Holy Spirit is here to point us to Jesus and to point us into a world that needs to see the image of Jesus. He, um, the Holy Spirit wants to reveal fruit in our lives. And that's how we know about sanctification. For the Christian, what does this mean? What does this mean for you and what does this mean for me? If, if we are recognizing that the Holy Spirit wants to work sanctification in our life, that's his primary role. He wants to make you and I more holy. He wants us to pursue purity in thought, in deed, in action, and in word. What does that look like? What does that mean to us? And, and how is that even possible? In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is speaking of religious leaders, so I, I want to put the verse in context. But Jesus says this, you will know them by their fruit. That's what Jesus says. Jesus goes on to say in John 15-ish, I think we have it on the, yeah, John 15. He uses this a word. He says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says, abide. Abide. Humble brag, hashtag. I took all social media off my phone this week. Okay? It's the stupidest thing ever. Um, I ended up leaving my phone places. <laughs> I, I left the house without my phone. I know, forgive me. It was a sin. I mean, I, it was so funny to me how connected I am to everything. I was astonished by it. I was also astonished that I'm so connected to everything that I also somehow missed an important email on Tuesday. Someone tells me they sent it yesterday. I'm like, no, I didn't get it. And it was there on Tuesday. That's what happens when you're not connected. It's really an excuse to stay connected, right? We are connected to so many things, so deeply plugged in. We are abiding in so many things instead of abiding in Jesus. He says, apart from him, we can do nothing. He says, it's only by being connected to him. And that connection, listen, guys, the cross is beautiful. We celebrated in communion just a bit ago. It's beautiful. And it's because of the cross. This is the gospel. Because of the cross, you and I have eternal life. When we place our faith in Jesus, that's what the cross gives us. It gives us access into the throne room of heaven. I'm still dumbfounded by the concept. But the point is, you and I can do nothing apart from Christ. Meaning you and I can do nothing apart from having the Holy Spirit living through our lives. It's the only way that you or I will bear fruit. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul goes on to explain what the fruit is. He tells us what the fruit of our flesh is, and then he tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. You're like, that's bad English. 
shouldn't use the word are for plural. No, because Paul, I believe, intentionally uses a word that's singular. So I'm going to tell you what the fruit of the Spirit is, not what the fruits of the Spirit are. It's singular. Let's read it together in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. You know, I am a self-gratifying person. I mean, I'm serious. Even with Dr. Pepper. I mean, somebody who I love you because they're here brought me over just because they love their pastor, a case of like Dr. Pepper. When I saw it, I wanted to say, get thee behind me, Satan, because I'm going to drink the whole thing in like two days. And there's God. So it takes, it takes self-discipline not to drink 12 Dr. Peppers in one day. And we are constantly gratifying our sinful nature. You're like, Ronnie, you're talking about soda. I'm using soda as an example. It can be food. It can be money. It's all these things where we gratify our selfish nature. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For they are opposed to each other. So the fruit of the flesh is opposed to the fruit of the spirit. It's constantly going to be battling there. We're going to have to constantly, and you guys would have been super proud of me. I only had one Dr. Pepper yesterday. And I thank you. Yeah. And I have three cold ones in the fridge. Do you know how many times I lifted the flap to get one out? Four. I was like, oh, cold Dr. Pepper. Oh, you should drink water. Now, I'm the humble brag again, right? And this whole sermon is about me bragging about how great I am. Not really. I'm, I struggle with even getting. And so what else, if we're honest? Is it coveting? Well, let's just read them because it's a great list. It's like, it, it, it's oh, such a smack in the face. Oh, and he points out here, I don't have time to unpack this today. I wish it, it's a whole other sermon, probably a whole other series. When we are living under the flesh, when we are trying to live under the flesh, this is what happened. We try, we attempt to please God by our works. And this is what I do. Well, God, you know, I kind of nailed it today. I only have one Dr. Pepper, and uh, so I didn't give in to the flesh. Or, God, you know, I, I caught that image online, and I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything with it. I just put it right behind me, even though I was tempted. Or, God, you know what? When um, I saw that person talking about how great their life is and where they're going on vacation, and, you know, I kind of started to covet. And I'm like, God, will you, uh, uh, what, uh, uh. and we have all these instances, because we are abiding in everything else but Jesus, we have all these opportunities to give in to our flesh desires. And when we do live in the flesh, we start to try to earn God's approval when we don't. And it becomes works, and we become Pharisees, and we become religious stinkers. This is the list. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Paul lays out the list. And if we're honest, I know that that list, you're like, man, I'm a Christian. That list is scary. Sorcery? Really? But if we're honest, that's exactly where our flesh nature will lead us. Every time. Now, you may not be pulling out some cards to predict your future. 
You may not uh, be trying to fortune tell, but this is how we do it with God. We're like, God, God listen, if you'll just, um, I need to know the next step because it, I'm, I'm, this walking by faith is real hard. And if you don't tell me the next step, man, um, I'm just going to make my own way. And you might not have Harry Pottered it up, right? But what we do in, in this list, it's the same thing. It's self-control. I was joking with somebody before service about how we have wine at communion, right? Like, if you have a problem with it, there's why there's grape juice for you. Drunkenness is a self-control issue. It, it, he lists everything. And what happens is we don't want to live this way because our flesh nature's desire is to do all of those things. I'm like, Ronnie, it's really been a long time since I have been like tempted to be in an orgy. Like, well, good, you're winning at life. But that doesn't mean that the temptation isn't there where you don't lust and covet. Playboy is winning this week. Did you hear that they're no longer going to publish nudes in their magazine? The culture that they have created has now come back to eat them up. And they're having to change who they are. It fascinates me that that's what the sin in itself never is satisfied. It was all free. I don't even know where I'm going. Let's look at the list of fruits. It's a list of fruits, but we bear it as fruit. Yeah, I know. It's really bad English or Greek, depending on when you're, how you're studying it, right? Well, what are the fruit of the Spirit? How do we bear fruit? I want, to just, I want this list to sink in, and I just want you to look at those because we're going to go over those as, as, as the close, okay? So here's the deal. The fruit of the Spirit can only be born in our lives. The only way these fruit can come off the branches of your and I's lives to be identified as someone who's sold out following Jesus is when we belong to Jesus, which means salvation, which we then have to crucify our flesh because our flesh desire is opposed to all of these things or we use them for our own personal gain. And then we have to live lives surrendered to the Holy Spirit. It's the only way it happens is fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. And it goes, it, our, our sin nature, our flesh, is opposed to that. In order for a tree to be born out of the ground, a seed has to die. That's the invitation from Jesus. Come and die. Like, really, that's a horrible t-shirt or bumper sticker. But that's the invitation. He says, come and die to yourself so that I can birth something new in you as you're connected to me. It's, it's his invitation. And then sometimes as Christians, because some of us have been playing this game for a very long time, we get so used to the sight of the tree. And this is how we do it. You guys are probably better than I am. So this, I'll tell you, this is how I do it. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit further along than they are. Or, man, God, um, and you've been so faithful in my life. And I start to look at the fruit that I bear. You want to know how a tree bears more fruit? It gets pruned. So the invitation from Jesus is to come and let me prune you as the gardener. As the, he calls himself the dresser of the garden. Let me come and prune you. And in order for you to ever do anything, he wants you to come and die so he can birth something new. Let me just say, both of those, uncomfortable. 
If you want to do more for the kingdom of heaven, if you want to grow more in your knowledge and wisdom and being led by the Holy Spirit, let me just tell you there's going to be a season of uncomfortability. Uncomfortability. Is that the right English? The good English? Okay, good. If not, you guys know I never let the English language get in the way of me making a good point. It's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be a season where, where God is pruning us so that we can bear more fruit. So we're not comfortable as the prettiest tree in the garden. And we start focusing on being more productive, more fruitful. The fruit of the Spirit are not the incommunicable acts of God. What I mean by that is you will never be omnipresent, omniscient, or omnipotent. But... There are what's called the communicable acts of God. And these are the part where you become more like him because you draw near to him because you abide in him. If you spend time with anyone, you're going to, be, you're going to become like him. I mean, we have all these little goofy sayings around here at Audacity. and we're, we're like three years old. We still have these things that we say, right? And other people say them. Some of them good. Right, like love, serve, go. Some of them bad, like all the words. But these are things that you hear people saying, right? And why is this? Because we hang around. We do life together. We share life together. I've become more like Ashley, which is a really good thing. I live for the moment more than I ever have. I live for today. That's what I do. A lot more than I ever have. And she becomes more like me, which sometimes she's already in January. And I'm like, hey, it's October. Stop being like me. But that's what happens when you hang around, when you are with somebody, you become more like them. And as you spend more time with Jesus, as you spend more time living life surrendered to the Holy Spirit, this is what happens. We become more like him. This is a secret to bearing fruit, is to walking in the Spirit. So what about this list? There's love. Love as a Christian, when it's bearing fruit in your life, is not loving for love's sake. Each one of these fruit we must bear in our life because it's a characteristic of God himself. And when we go into this greatest invitation of all time, we get to become like him. We surrender our lives to him. We allow the Holy Spirit to work through us. We do it because it's a characteristic of God himself. But this is what the difference is when it comes to love. It's Here's how uh, in the flesh I love. I love you because, dot, 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 whatever the because is. As a follower of Jesus, when love is born out of our hearts and out of our lives, we love because I love you. I don't love you because of anything. I love you because, not dot, dot, dot. I love you because I'm supposed to love. It's really a radical new way to love. There's joy. Joy is Christ-like confidence of knowing that Christ is with you and the Holy Spirit is living through you. Christians can have joy. This is why Christians can have joy while they are suffering. Your joy comes because you know where your hope is placed. I know where my hope is placed. Peace. Peace is the overwhelming confidence and trust that God is in control of your life. That's what peace is. 
When Jesus says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, he wants to see that birth-born fruit in our lives. It comes because we know who's in control. Some of you are probably walking through a similar circumstance where you really have more questions than you do answers, and you're like, it's really hard for me just to live in peace. Well, Jesus is either sitting on the right hand of the throne, he's sitting on the throne of the right hand of God right now making intercession for you, or he's not. And if he is, then your peace comes from the confidence of knowing who he is and who you are in him. That's how the Christian can have peace and should bear that as a fruit. Patience. I don't like this one. How fruit, the patient fruit, is birthed in your life is it really comes from long-suffering. It means that you can walk through any situation and not lash out. If I'm honest, some situations I'm in, I immediately will lash out. And why? Because it's been something like, especially if it's a person like on our team, it's because like we've been working on something for six months and I'm just I've like, well, then you know what? That's not really fruit-bearing patience in my life, is it? With my little kids, extremely patient. The big kids, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'll put you in the garage and not feed you for a week. You're going to fast today. And well, it, it, and the expectation is any different. I mean, I just treat both of the situations differently. Well, that's not a fruit when it comes out different. It's not. If I can't be as patient with my four-year-old as I am with my 14-year-old, then it's not a fruit of patience. Kindness. Kindness means, this really means loving deeds. It's really the actions that you and I do. You're not kind because you feel sorry for somebody. You're kind because you're motive. You're like Jesus. You have compassion in your life. The difference between kindness and love is love is more of a general term. It is a, an affection term. And kindness leads to action. Goodness. Goodness is honest transparency. Goodness is being the same in any situation. Faithfulness. Loyalty or courage. It means to be committed. Uh, faithfulness means to be, it's funny, one translation, uh, when it, defining it, it says utterly reliable. Man. How reliable are you? It also means true to one's word. Gentleness. When I think of gentleness, like I think of my like sweet old grandmother or something, but that's not really what gentleness is. What the, the biblical view of gentleness is self-forgetfulness. That's how it would have been better translated. Gentleness means to put others above yourself. Gentleness means uh, we don't, when we're in a situation, we don't selfishly think how the situation is going to impact us. We think of how it's going to impact those around us. It's gentleness. And then there's self-control. I love this verse in Proverbs. It says this in verse 20, or chapter 25. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. 
If you don't have self-control in your life, you're like an unfortified city. That basically means without self-control, anything can distract you. Anything can bring you down because you don't have a wall built around your protection. Self-control is more about protecting yourself from yourself. See, it's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit in your life and my life wants to sanctify us, wants us to pursue holiness. And as we pursue holiness, because we abide in Christ, these fruit will be born. Salvation and sanctification go hand in hand. Salvation moves a Christian toward a life filled with the Holy Spirit. A life filled with the Holy Spirit leads to a fruitful life. And the fruit of the Spirit are only grown in fertile ground of a believer fully surrendered in life. And this is a life surrendered to the Holy Spirit. When you go through uh, Jesus' invitation to, be, um, to become a disciple, I'm fascinated that there's really no, no uh, sexiness to it. Like, it is really unattractive. It, 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 Jesus says this. He says, come and die. Jesus says, to find your life, you have to lose your life. In Romans chapter 8, it puts it this way. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the invitation. Ephesians 5, it says, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved and gave, up, he gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. I don't know where you are, most of you, some of you. I don't know exactly what you're walking through, but I have a simple question to you today. Have you allowed the Holy Spirit to consume your life? Is your life lived out, surrendered to the Holy Spirit, or are you still battling your flesh? Are you allowing sanctification to happen in your life, or are you fighting it every step of the way by not being fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit? Are you bearing fruit? I want to be just transparent. I think some of these you need to identify as I have today before you all. A couple that you need to circle and say, man, I don't see this one. I don't see this one. You need to, and you need to put a little check next to one. Hey, you know what? I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a pretty uh, patient person. You know, I really kind of have this one. I really do put that one into play. But you know what? I really want to work on goodness. I want to be transparent in every situation. I don't know where you are today, your sanctification process. I'm just asking you, is is it surrendered? Are you fully surrendered so that you can bear much fruit? So when people see you, they see love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are you being sanctified? Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to get plugged into the ministry of Audacity or support this ministry financially, you can get more information at loveservego.com.